knows the moment of their last breath. And so we don't want to play with that. But even maybe more importantly is if we assume that we all have more time, it's that every minute you spend apart from Jesus, you are missing out on the life that God created you for. You're not really living life. Not real life. Not the abundant life. Not the life that the God who created and sustained you has for you. So now is the acceptable hour. Now's the day of salvation to simply respond. You hear about living your best life. What does that really mean, though? How do you do that? Well, today, Pastor Daniel shares that the Bible offers some insight into this. You'll learn that it's not about what you wear or where you go. No, your best life is one lived connected to the Lord. It's the life He created you for. So, simply respond to Jesus today. Every minute you wait is more time you miss out on the amazing life He wants you to have. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Isaiah chapter 55 as he continues his message, You Are Invited. This was long before you had extra reverse osmosis distilled water, right? And so not all the water was clean. And so fermented foods and fermented beverages was a health necessity because people if you would drink freestanding water i mean how many of you ever got giardia you go camping you forget to pure yeah isn't that fun a couple people are like yeah and so the fermented beverages was actually helpful for health things so but wine and milk they were some of the luxuries of life again these are things you don't have any money for it but Not only does God want to say, I want to take care of your necessities, I also want to bless you. This speaks of God's abundance. And then there's this question, this rhetorical question. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Now, in some ways, I want you all just to grab your pen. I want you to circle that in your neighbor's Bible. You know why? Because this is a question we need to ask ourselves in the ways that we get at life. Why do we spend money for what does not satisfy, that's the picture of bread, and our wages for what doesn't, like, why Why do we try and find happiness at the end of a transaction when really what God is saying is that I want to bless you and I want to bring satisfaction to your soul, but you have to come to me, and even though you can't afford it, I afford it for you in the cross. See, this reminds me, of course, of Revelation chapter 3, verses 18 to 20, some famous verses. It says, I counsel you, to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him and him with me. You see what Jesus is saying there to the church in Laodicea, the church that was known as the lukewarm church. He's saying, look, he's saying, all the things you need, I have. You want white garments? Speaks of purification. I got it. You think of all the things you have. I have the gold that you need in order to be rich. He's saying, listen, I want to cover the shame of your nakedness. I want to anoint your eyes so that you might see. 
And then you get this picture of Jesus on the outside of the church knocking to be let in. It's kind of an amazing picture, isn't it? The church is supposed to have Jesus at his head, and Jesus is pictured as outside the church being like knocking. And he says, as many as come and let me in, I will sit with them, and I'll have a meal with them. And in a lot of ways, that's what the Lord is doing for each one of us. He's knocking on the doors of our hearts saying, will you let me in? And if you let me in, we will have this amazing fellowship. Isn't it true when you share a meal? I got to share a meal with some friends here from Crossroads just yesterday. Folks who we know, but we never got a chance just to sit down with them. And we had such a great time because you're across the table, you're sharing your lives, all the kids' shenanigans. So funny, I tell Annabelle stories, right? So it cracked me up yesterday. So we're sitting there talking and we're laughing real loud. And Annabelle's sitting on the couch and she says, can you guys please be quiet? I'm trying to poop over here. <laughs> this is my, like, I tell a story like, it's really real. It's really loud. I'm like, this is what my life is like. And I'm like, Annabelle, first say please. Second, use the bathroom, you know what I mean? But it was just like a classic life moment, you know? Can you guys be quiet? It's like, Jesus wants to have those type of interactions with you guys. You know? It's like the things that happen over a meal. Right? It speaks of this intimacy. It speaks of a knowingness, a togetherness that God is really interested in. But guess what? You and I need to just come. That's what this is about. It's like, when was the last time when Jesus knocked saying, I want to be a part of your decision making. I want to be a part of this thing that's going on that you let him in and you let him come to the table and you let him be a part of this whole thing. See, it goes on in verse three, incline your ear and come to me. So it's saying, tune your ear in. Just kind of like, remember the old school radio? For those of you who are younger, you know nothing about this. You just press the track button and a good radio station pops up. But for all of us who are older than like 15, there used to be this little thing that you had to wind. You guys remember, know what I'm talking about? It's like, and it was like, and then you'd hear it and you'd have to like, and then if you got really frustrated, you put some tinfoil on the little antennas. Those are these little metal things, you young people, little metal things, you know, and you have to get the thing tuned on in so that you can hear clearly the idea of incline your ear. It's saying instead of being unhearing or being full of static, I want you to incline your ears to me and then come to me here and your soul will live. So this invitation is about true life in the soul of a human being. That Jesus offers. And then he says, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you in the middle of verse three, the sure mercies of David. Now, of course, if you want to do some homework on this, go read second Samuel chapter seven, where God promises to make an everlasting covenant that one of the descendants of David will always sit on the throne of the nation of Israel, the people of God. And if you ever wondered why the New Testament begins with a genealogy, a long list of names, Right, And there's also a genealogy in Luke's gospel, I think the end of the third chapter, is because Jesus comes of the lineage of King David. Jesus is this fulfillment of this everlasting Davidic covenant. And we learn about David, and it's a foreshadowing, of course, of Jesus. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people. Right, Somebody who declares to the people as a leader and a commander of the people. And what we learn is that a nation... Surely you will call a nation that you do not know 
and that a nations who do not know you shall run to you. So we move from David until Jesus' fulfillment where now all of a sudden instead of the people of God just being ethnically Jewish, now you have a multi-ethnic family of every tribe, nation. This speaks of the global thrust of the gospel. You realize all over the world there are people who put their faith and trust in Jesus. That you're, they're your family members. Not just American, not just Caucasian, but multi-ethnic. With nations coming together under the rubric of Jesus, who he is. Now, from there, look at what happens in verse 6. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Now listen, You and I need to learn how to simply respond. We need to learn how to simply respond. That's why here at Crossroads, we always talk about simply responding to Jesus. Why? Because part of this invitation is a perpetual responding to who the Lord is and to what the Lord is doing. I want you to notice the verbs. I once had a Bible commentator say, if you ever want to understand a text, follow the verbs. That's kind of powerful because the idea is that God is always active. And so when God is always active, you can follow the verbs. Now, again, if you want to write in your neighbor's Bible, because we're family, you could circle the word in verse six, seek. Then you can circle the word call. In verse seven, you could circle the word forsake. And in the middle of verse seven, the word return. We get these four responses. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. You want a model for how to simply respond to Jesus. There it is. Four verbs, four ways to respond. First, you have this idea of Seeking the Lord. And the idea to seek in its usage in the Bible is not looking for something that is lost, but it's really to come with diligence to where the Lord is found. Do you get that? When it says seek the Lord, it doesn't mean like God got lost along the way. How many of you know what it's like to live with someone who loses their keys and their cell phone all the time? Yeah. And it's funny because like, you know, I'm grateful for now these devices. You can find your device and stuff. It beeps for you. I used to laugh when Lynn and I first got married. Lynn would lose her keys and her phone literally three times every day. And in the beginning, I mean, I'm so type A, you know, and it's such a lousy husband in the beginning. I just get frustrated with her, you know? And then finally one day I'm like, if this is going to happen three times a day, this is like eating food, so I'm just going to enjoy the process. So she'd be like, I can't find my phone. I'm like, well, let's go find it. It's going to be fun, you know? And I was growing up. God was doing a work in my life. See, when it says seek the Lord, well, I mean, it doesn't mean that God got lost along the way. The idea is making sure that you are being diligent to find yourself where God is found. You already know where the Lord is. And we need to realize that there's a timeliness to this. For some of you right now, the time is right now for you to find yourself where the Lord is. Listen, You need to seek the Lord while he may be found. And I believe that God is inviting all of us to simply respond and say, the Lord is inviting me and I'm going to show up to where the Lord is, which is at that point of that invitation. But not only seeking the Lord, the idea is to call upon him. 
That's to acknowledge him, to know that God is an ever-present help in time of need. And then, of course, you get these two other words, forsake. Let the wicked forsake is when the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord. Now, forsaking and returning are the two sides of true repentance. Forsaking, it's the two sides. You're turning from and then you're returning to. Does that make sense? Real, true, biblical repentance has got two sides. One, you forsake where you are, whatever it is that is not of the Lord, right? So you turn from that, that's forsaking, and then you turn to the Lord. Now, how powerful is that? See, real repentance is not just turning from something and not engaging with the Lord. You're leaving something, you're forsaking something, and you're connecting to the Lord. That's true biblical repentance, which is God's word for the repairing of a broken relationship. So we want to simply respond, Lord, by seeking, by calling, by forsaking, and returning. And this, of course, reminds me of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. We then, it says, as workers together with him also, plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. And then he says this, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, Now is the day of salvation. Now listen, I want to speak to those of you who've never put their faith and trust in Jesus before. I don't want to be overly dramatic and I don't want to be hysterical, but now is the time for you to get right with God. You know why? Because of this. Every day you remain apart from Jesus, you are missing out on the life that you were created to live. So it's not about this might be your last chance, because it might. Unfortunately, we've had it here at Crossroads where we lost somebody a number of years ago in a workplace shooting. He had given his life to Jesus six months earlier. Him and his wife were here. And sure enough, he came to church on a Sunday. And on Monday, somebody, a, a disgruntled employee, walked into, into the store and shot him and a number of other people. And he passed away. Now, I don't want to be hysterical, but that's reality. Nobody knows the moment of their last breath. And so we don't want to play with that. But even maybe more importantly is if we assume that we all have more time, it's that every minute you spend apart from Jesus, you are missing out on the life that God created you for. You're not really living life. Not real life. Not the abundant life. Not the life that the God who created and sustained you has for you. So now is the acceptable hour. Now's the day of salvation to simply respond to forsake where you are, to turn from the things that aren't God and to turn to God. And notice what it says in these verses, which is so powerful. It says this. It says, let him return to the Lord and he, God, will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So when you turn from whatever you're doing and you turn to the Lord, he will have mercy upon you and he will abundantly pardon you. Now, I love the fact that it doesn't say he'll just pardon you. He said he'll what? He'll abundantly pardon you. So he's, it's not like, I'm just going to let you off the hook. I'm not going to hold you accountable. He's like, I'm actually going to bust your socks off. And that's the invitation. You see why we want to simply respond to that? Now, from there, in verse 8 of Isaiah 55, it says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts... Then your thoughts, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth 
and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. And my friends, know what we're invited to? We're invited to reach higher. You and I are invited to reach higher. See, what goes on here is the Lord is speaking, saying, look, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts, and my ways higher than your ways. Now, how much higher is the heavens than the earth? Anybody know the answer to that? The simplest answer is immeasurably, incomprehensibly. There's not a greater span than heavens and earth. That heavens where all things are eternal and earth where all things are temporary. And God invites all of us to reach higher into his ways of thinking and his ways of doing as opposed to our ways of thinking and our ways of doing. Now, you might say, well, why are God's thoughts higher than my thoughts? And why are his ways higher than mine? Simply because all of God's ways and thoughts are governed by perfect righteousness and ours aren't left up to our own devices. So what that means is every way that God works, because it's governed by perfect rightness, he will owe, his ways will always be higher. And he invites each one of us not to live where we live, tit for tat. You hurt me, I'll hurt you. You, you know, cut off my finger, I'll chop off your head, escalation, all these things that we have. And he's saying, I want you to reach higher. And you might say, well, okay, so how do I do that? Well, it's beautiful. Because he says all that. And then what does he get right into in verse 10? He gets right into the word of God. That is why this book is so important, my friends. This is why. Because this book explains to us God's higher thoughts and his higher ways. God knows, let us our own devices. We're going to have our thoughts and we're going to try and apply God to it. These are God's thoughts. But then he gives us his word. And his word is designed to explain to us what are the ways of God? What are the thoughts of God? For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven doesn't return there, but it waters the earth. So the idea is that rain and snow, it's a heavenly gift. It comes down from heaven, right? It's designed for effectiveness. It does not return there. It doesn't return empty or void. What? It produces transformation. Why? It waters the earth. It makes things bud. And not only that, it revitalizes, brings from dead to life. It gives seed And it also brings nourishment, bread to the eater. See, the idea is God's word is the same thing. See, God's word is effective for God's mission. See, that's why, brothers and sisters, we're always going to teach you the word here at Crossroads. Always. We're going to open up the book and we're going to talk about it. But listen, your life needs to be founded on the book. Read the book. Read it some more. It never is exhausting to read it. And every time you read, you might be like, well, I've already read the Bible. I read, I read through it. It took me a year. It took me five years. Listen, read through it again. The amount of stuff. I always, it was funny. When people come fresh on staff at Crossroads, we have a number of new staff members. We got new staff members. We're always talking, listen, when you get to Crossroads, you're drinking from a fire hose. I'm like, the problem with drinking from a fire hose is, is that you swallow some, but a lot of it hits the ground. Now, I bring that up because when you're reading the Bible, some of the stuff lands, but a lot of the stuff you miss. 
So you keep reading it and you keep going through it. You start to get more and more of it. It starts to make more and more sense. And don't miss the fact that the more you read it, you realize the Bible is deep. And because the Bible is deep, there's all sorts of things that when you read it the first time you got something, but because your palate wasn't tuned in, there's all sorts of things. You're like, whoa, I didn't even think about that. And I can tell you that because if you were to talk to Pastor Bill Ritchie, our founding pastor, he reads the Bible and he still learns all sorts of new things. I've been in the pastoral ministry for 15 years now and I read stuff and I'm like, man, how did I ever teach that before? Did I even understand that before? You're like, no, I don't think you do, but that's a different discussion. (laughs) But we want to be people of the book because God's word shows us God's ways. And he shows us God's thoughts and God's thoughts are different from ours. Of course, Psalm 103, verse 11 to 14 also speaks of this. It says, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. Power. I mean, think about that. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, that's how great God's mercy is towards us. You know, there's the heaven and the earth. There's the east and the west. There's all these strong contrasts. Just far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has removed our transgressions from us. So you love this, that we're invited to just come as we are, and we're invited to simply respond to Jesus. And now we're invited, and it's so beautiful, to reach higher, but he's got one more invitation for us as I close this message out. Look what it says in verse 12. It says, For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come the cypress tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. My friends, we are invited to go out with joy. See, when you come and you simply respond to the Lord and the Lord by his spirit helps you reach higher, then once we come, then he sends us out. He says, you get to go out with joy. Notice, I get that from verse 12. For you shall go out with joy. You will be led out with what? Peace. How beautiful is you got a new set of emotions now. You get to go out with joy. You get a new relationship and a new set of expectations. You get to go out with peace. And the beauty is, as you walk into a brand new environment, and the idea here is that all of creation is rejoicing in who the Lord is. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Listen to what it says in Psalm 47, verses 1 and 2. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph, for the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. When was the last time when it was windy, and you see all the trees rustling, that you say, those trees are clapping their hands in prayer? Praise of the Almighty God. Jesus is real. You'll go out with joy. You'll be led out in peace. In today's message, Pastor Daniel shared that this is what happens when you respond to the Lord's invitation to walk with Him. He sends you out with a new set of emotions and expectations. You'll see with new eyes how all creation rejoices in the Maker. 
You can clap your hand with the trees, joining in that song of praise to the one who works in all things for the good of those who follow him. Everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. Hey, everybody. This is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus Is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore His people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel shares what Isaiah reveals about the great news of Jesus and the difference that makes in the world. You'll learn that God wants you to join Him in the work that He's doing in the lives of people around you. This is part of the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. If you simply respond to Him, you'll experience joy and purpose in seeing the world transformed. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Echoes. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.